Welcome, welcome everyone to another episode of the Bastards of Boston Baseball. We want to give a shout out to any new listeners who are joining us for the very first time. We're happy to have you on board. For those of you who have been here from the start, you already know the drill. We live and die by this team just like the rest of you, and we make no apologies for that. So welcome into our trade deadline reaction show. I'm your host, Jason Kelly, coming to you from Canton, Massachusetts. If you want to find us on Twitter, the podcast account is at Bastards underscore Boston. Joining me tonight on the show from Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, by way of Wyndham, Maine, is Terry Cushman. Terry, how are we doing? Disappointed, but not surprised. I hear you. Yeah, I think that's the, the general consensus on here. Uh, also joining us, jumping over from the weekend crew, is Cody Paulson. Cody, how you doing? Jason, good to be on here with you again. Uh, been a little bit. Happy to chat trade deadline. Uh, definitely some some puzzling moves out there across the landscape, uh, you know, in-house as well. But we'll dive into it. Looking forward to, to cutting it up with you guys. Yeah, absolutely. We will dive into the uh, one trade <laughs> that the Red Sox made at the deadline, if you count today. They obviously made a move for a reliever um, several days ago. There were some other trades, you know, before that. But on trade deadline day, the Red Sox come away with just one guy. Uh, they pick up Luis Urias from the Milwaukee Brewers for a low-level minor leaguer. Um, Urias is an infielder who started out with the Brewers pretty well, but you know has uh, kind of been downgraded since then. He's not hitting very well. The defense has kind of slipped. So he's definitely a change of scenery candidate, I would say. Um, still young, just 26 years old, has, you know, uh, one of those sort of early risers who's, you know, been in the big leagues longer than you think that he has, um, you know, was a international uh, signing with the Brewers and again, started out his career pretty well, but lately it hasn't been, hasn't been that. So Red Sox pick him up. They've already sent him down to Worcester. So he's a depth piece at this point, but um, Cody, what was your reaction to just coming away with only Luis Arias uh, by six o'clock today? Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, I think myself, much like everybody else, was refreshing Twitter, you know, turning past the notifications on, trying to figure out, you know, when's the big bomb going to drop. And and one of my bold predictions on Sunday was uh, that the biggest trade of the trade deadline had already happened. And I think that unfortunately kind of proved to be true. Um, you know, this kind of echoes that sentiment, right? Uh, this is not necessarily the move that everybody wanted to see, but I think it is, you know, a move with an eye to the future. I think it says more about where Alberto Mondesi is. Um, you know, if he was doing better in his rehab, I don't think we necessarily look for another uh, middle infielder. But this guy, you know, has, as Jason, you mentioned, you know, some pretty good success early on was, you know, kind of a key piece of some of those Brewer lineups. Um, maybe, you know, the grass is greener somewhere else, but he's a right-handed bat. And I know Terry has lamented, constantly about how left or excuse me how lefty heavy this lineup is so if he's able to get in get right um you know this could be our second baseman of i don't want to say the future but at least 2024 it relieves some of the pressure on on mayor um and we didn't really lose a lot in the guy that we sent over right you know he was kind of blocked in his path he wasn't um tearing it up burning it up in the uh, in the minors i don't think he would have been protected or i, I think he's a rule five eligible uh, pitcher. So, you know, it would have been hard to protect him. You know, there's some other prospects that we kind of need to 
to try to keep close to home. So, you know, if this is a major league ready player, you know, when he gets right, when he gets healthy for what seems to be a very, you know, low cost, uh, I'm for it. You know, obviously we'd like to see something bigger, something flashier, something splashier, especially after, you know, the guys in the clubhouse said, Hey, you know, we could really use some assistance. But um, if you were to look at the deal at face value for what it is and isolate, you know, kind of everything else around it, I was pretty happy with it. Terry, what was your reaction to everything today? I didn't really expect much. Um, uh, it, it was kind of a puzzling, uh, you know, deadline for me. I mean, not even 48 hours ago, you had Alex Verdugo. Apparently, they were going to uh, dangle him out on the uh, market and 12 hours later that gets shut down. So he's not available and I forget who tweeted it, but apparently, apparently they would rather trade him this off season was what was treat tweeted. So, or I don't even know what it's even called now. Are they called tweets anymore? Um, you know, it's, it's Twitter X or just X. They're they're called posts now. Oh, they're posts. Because okay. I saw that on my phone that it's not retweets anymore. It's reposts. So, yeah. Yeah. So, interestingly, um, he was pulled back. It just doesn't make any sense. And I tweeted out this morning that only two moves make sense to me. Go get Justin Verlander or someone comparable and try to win it all or sell or just sell, get rid of the short term guys. And, but it didn't happen. And when you look at the fact that, Oh, and another thing too, before I make this final point, before I tie it all together, um, the prices were described as insane for some of these players. Like, you know, teams were asking for a lot and they were getting a lot for, you know, mostly starting pitching, but still Alex Verdugo, arguably, despite having a bad month is one of the, you know, top outfield bats that a team could acquire and he's controllable through next season. So he's not even a rental and he can hit at the top of the order. Some teams need that. We've needed it for, for a long time. And Alex Verdugo for a couple months was that guy. And then Jaron Duran came along and, and kind of took it over. But for a while, we didn't have any solutions for a top-of-the-order bat. So Alex Verdugo could serve as that for any team that you know wants to trade for him. So suddenly he wasn't available again. And I'm just wondering, is ownership blocking Bloom from trading some of these guys? Is winning a mandate? That's what I'm wondering. Is he not allowed to to trade off some pieces? We're getting Chris Sale back, so arguably that's probably about as good of a, a trade acquisition as you can get. But it's still, I mean, it, it, suddenly you put a, another ace in front of Chris Sale. Now we're talking. Now we're talking a potential deep playoff run. And the Orioles got uh, Jack Flaherty today. And... 
you know, that good for them. Good for them for making a move. That's what they needed. That you know, everyone knew all season they were going to need to add a piece if they wanted to be serious about a deep playoff run. Maybe the Orioles win the World Series now. That's insane, but it could happen. It could happen. I mean, who's in an American League team that's a surefire bet to go to that World Series? I don't think there is one. I mean, maybe it's the Rangers now. I mean, they definitely did improve, but we haven't seen it yet. We haven't seen it all gel, and and maybe in two or three weeks' time, maybe they do emerge as the favorite, but no one from the Central is going to the World Series. And then from the the East, I mean, like I just threw out the Orioles. Uh, maybe the Rays get hot again and return to their April and May form. But, man, if the Red Sox could have added another – you know, another top arm to this rotation, things get really interesting and it didn't happen. And then they didn't sell like the high bloom era just doesn't make any sense all winter long. They make a move and I'm like, that's not good enough. Then they make another move and I'm like, that's not good enough. And the, the only one I, I feel like I was truly wrong about and I'll, I'll own it forever was the Yoshida signing, you know, that that's it, you know? And, um, I just, it, it's very puzzling. Like, and Bloom always says the company line is he's building for the future. He's building a team that's going to be sustainable. That's going to be good year in and year out. In other words, everybody, every team has a window, but, but Bloom wants to be somewhat like the Dodgers and the Astros, you know, their windows have been, they, they've been in their current windows for the last 10 years, almost. And, and that's what, what he's aspiring to be, yet he doesn't make the moves to do that. And I'm a big fire bloom guy. I really am. I mean, there's no secret about that, you know, to the point where I'm like, I, I really don't care. I mean, we've been in last place most of the season anyway. And if we stay there and, and that costs bloom his job, I think we win a World Series a lot faster without bloom so that that's why i'm in that boat and it, it took me four years to get here you know I, I didn't have that attitude as frustrated as i was with the previous off seasons I, I never brought that attitude to the show and you know maybe bloom is going to keep his job no matter what i mean if we win 82 games that's not a playoff team that's not going to make it but i'm kind of feeling like he could actually keep it and I asked a beat writer today, I said, just to confirm, and I, I felt like I already knew it anyway. I'm like, is, is Bloom's deal up this season or is it up next season? And he said the general belief is it, it runs through next season. So I'm frustrated. Uh, you could say that, you know, we're resetting the tax this year and, and this winter we can spend a lot of money. But I'm not convinced it's going to happen. I'm not convinced. And and if it does happen, is it going to be the right guys? Is it going to be a pitching staff that's sustainable? I just I just hate where we're at right now. I hate where we're at. Yeah, it is frustrating. Cody, do you have something you want to add? Yeah, I was just going to say, you know, um, I think I was on this podcast at the very least. I'm probably a pro Bloom guy. Um, you know, reading the room, I wouldn't say I'm overly 
uh, Bluminati. But, um, you know, I think he has gotten a pretty unlucky frame of time to be the general manager of the Boston Red Sox, right? Obviously, you know, we're going to put aside the the situation that he came into. There just, like, hasn't been, like, the great deals or the great free agents for him to sign to build that roster, right? There have been a couple of pitchers here and there that you could have cherry-picked, you could have thrown the farm for to get. But, you know, these asking prices for the starting pitching on the trade markets – have been astronomical, right? And there are four one-year rentals or you have to pay a lot of that money down, right? Like last year, we berated him for kind of sitting on the fence, not getting below the luxury tax, not buying and not selling. That was dumb. There's no, you, you can't slight that any other way. But I feel like he's also raised the floor of this team, right? Like throughout, you know, the next guy up, we're like, oh, this guy's got a little bit of spark to him or he's got, you know, a bat here or a glove there. Like the players that were calling up or the players that were pulling off the scrap heap or at least contributing you know, even if it is a flash in the pan and they're not sustainable big league players every day, but we're starting to see more of those talents kind of, you know, surmise and and appear at the big league level, right? And that's kind of what we're seeing with the Dodgers and the Astros model is if a guy goes down, the next guy that comes up is serviceable or sustainable until that guy comes back. And we're starting to see kind of those prospects and those uh, people that we're bringing in. And so, you know, while it isn't flashy. It isn't sexy. It isn't what you want to see necessarily at the trade deadline. And having that patience is brutal. Right. Um, I do say, you know, I think he's getting a bad rap in, in that capacity. You know, the, the Astros straight up tanked for a couple of years and then they built that core. And then now they got that thing humming. I don't think the Dodgers ever broke it down like the Astros did to where they were bottom, like we are currently, but I do see the vision and I think we're starting to see it play out a little bit more this year. And I would hate to have to go through these four years, give up on the process, fire the guy, essentially restart. And then, you know, where are we in a couple of years? It's just my thought. Yeah. So I, I also went into this deadline with very low expectations, uh, which is why I'm not, you know, outraged about what happened today, because going in, I thought, before he was dealt, you know, earlier, uh, late last week, I thought maybe you get Jordan Montgomery. Maybe that's it, right? Because he's probably one of the cheaper guys to get out there. He's not going to cost you a top 20 prospect or, or anything like that. So maybe you can do a move like that. But he was moved early. And once he came off the board, I sort of thought, I don't think they're going to get anyone. Um, I tweeted earlier today, Jack Flaherty was the guy I really wanted, but Inevitably, what happened was the Baltimore Orioles, who have a better farm system than you do, and are in a position where they're more willing to trade prospects because all of their young guys are up, right? For the Red Sox, that's not the case. Marcelo Mayer is not up yet. Nick York is not up yet. Um, Sedan Rafaela is not up yet. For the Orioles, their window just opened. It literally just flew open this year. So they can sort of say, yeah, we can trade some of our prospects that we have down in the minors right now because we have a young core already competing and they swooped in and they got Flaherty because they were able to do that. Um, I think if the Red Sox wanted to get Flaherty, they would have had to overextend in terms of trading prospects. And I think Bloom was absolutely not going to do that. Um, in terms of the direction of the club, the direction of the franchise, look, the players came right out and said, we want you to add. We, we want help. We want pitching. Rafael Devers said it. We need pitching. Justin Turner came out and said, look, we've we've been fighting our asses off. You know, we really want the front office to add. Alex Cora has said he wanted the front office to add. But I think that whether it came from ownership to Bloom or whether it was just Bloom's philosophy to begin with, I think his whole thing was, I will add 
but I'm not going to pay these ridiculous prices that other clubs are paying. So, you know, Justin Verlander gets traded and you're giving up top prospects for him. Hyam Bloom's not going to do that because he's going to say, well, they got Justin Verlander because they gave up prospects, but we're getting Chris Sale back. So I'd rather just stick with that than trade away top prospects for Justin Verlander. Um, and I'm sure that he, in terms of selling and whether or not they would ever do that, I'm sure he looked into it. I, I'm sure that he did talk to teams about James Paxton, who I think was their most sellable piece. Um, and he should have, because if you look at Verlander and Paxton's numbers, they're identical this year. I mean, they're pretty much identical. So if you're going to sit here and try and tell me that James Paxton didn't have a market, I'm going to tell you, I don't believe you. Because I think some, some Red Sox fans, some Bloom fans were trying to sell that point after the deadline and say, well, Paxton's market just wasn't that strong. And, you know, if you thought it was, you're an idiot. No, he probably had a strong market. But I think once it came down to we're not necessarily buying, I think Bloom sort of said, well, we can't sell either because we, we can't upset the clubhouse any more than we already have by not adding. We do want this team to compete. We do want to compete for that wild card. We're not that far out of it. So let's just hang on to Paxton. And yeah, we, you know, he's going to walk at the end of the year. We won't get anything for him, but that's the way it has to go. It's, it's a frustrating place for them to be because they can't just, you know, blow it up, right? The, the fans who say blow it up and, and sell everything. It's like, you can't do that when you're this close to the wild card, even though they've played bad, you know, heading into the deadline. But, you know, we've seen this team do it before. They can go on a seven game winning streak now, for all we know. It's that they're just that kind of Jekyll and Hyde kind of team, but they're also not going to go all in and sell the farm for a Verlander or a Scherzer. It just was never going to happen. So it's frustrating, but it's not all that surprising. And, um, you know, in terms of what happens going forward, you know, you talked about Alex Verdugo this offseason. I mean, that's an interesting play because if that's out there, we've talked about this before, Verdugo and his brother are all over social media. They're obviously going to hear about that, that, oh, the Red Sox are going to dangle him in the offseason. So now you've got probably a disgruntled outfielder playing for you every day while you're trying to compete for a wild card. And if he continues to play the way he has been, which is very poorly, and you know that sort of emotional thing gets to him, his value is going to tank. And then you won't be able to trade him in the offseason because you won't get anything good. So did they sort of miss their opportunity on that? That's That would be my one second guess is, are you sure that you shouldn't have just traded him right now at the deadline, especially if you were going to hang on to Adam Duvall, right? So you've already got three outfielders. Why, why do you need to hang on to Verdugo who might tank his own trade value because he's upset about his contract situation. He's upset about potentially being traded. So the, the ramifications will be interesting. It'll be interesting to see how the players respond. You know, do they rally around each other and say, okay, you know, they didn't, they didn't sell, they didn't buy, but they didn't sell. So, okay, let's, it's on us. We've got to, we've got to be the ones to make this happen. Let's go for it. Or do they sort of sit there and go, really? Like we, verbally said like we wanted them to add like you know we we've got a decent team here but it's not good enough and you know they expect us to go compete for the wild card when max scherzer and justin verlander and jack flaherty just came over to the american league are they serious so it can go either way and look i understand that the counterpoint to that is well they're professionals you know who cares you know bloom shouldn't be worried about the clubhouse because they're veterans they're professionals they should go out there and do their job but Sorry, you, you can't ignore 
the emotional part of the sport and, and what happens inside that clubhouse. We've seen bad clubhouses tank really talented teams, not just in this city, but other cities as well. So I certainly hope that doesn't happen either. There are members of the Bluminati. I'm not going to mention them on air because, you know, they come at us a lot and I'm not going to give them any glory specifically. I can tell you who they are off the air and I'm sure you guys will be familiar with some of them. Uh, but they're also expressing some frustration here because they've been taking bullets for Bloom all year long. And right now we're kind of on a high because we're six games above 500, but we've slipped under 500 a few times and they're taking all the bullets saying this team could be good. This team could go to the playoffs and, and maybe go deep. And then Bloom gave them nothing and, and they're frustrated. And one of our co-hosts, uh, he's actually on the midweek crew with us, Jason, Micah Storms, also expressing, uh, you know, just a little bit of, of disappointment. I wouldn't say frustration, but disappointment, you know, that, you know, Bloom just didn't do anything. And so it, it's going to be interesting how this season goes. We have some cupcake series coming up. We have the Royals who traded their closer today. I think they made one other trade as well. And uh, so some of those teams are going to be a little bit weaker now. But you can't tell me it, it made sense to keep Alex Verdugo. There's no spot for him, really. You know, you've got Yoshida and Duran as your lefties. They're going to be playing just about every day. I think Yoshida gets every fourth or fifth day off. But still, that's when Ref Snyder comes in. You got Adam Duvall out there. Um, there. There was no reason to keep him. And then you're shedding whatever is remaining of the 6.3 million that he is owed this year. So roughly a third of that you're, you're, you're shedding about 2 million and that's, you don't have to worry about that next year when he hits arbitration again, because if he goes on fire again, he's, he's going to have a, a pretty big number that the Red Sox are going to have to pay in what would be his arb two season. So, or actually, no, that's ARB3 for him. He's a free agent in 2025. So there, there was no reason to keep him. He, and he had all the reasons to, to get one or two decent prospects. I'm guessing for Alex Verdugo, you get, you get at least a, a 6 through 10 prospect in, in another team system, and you, you're probably going to have a lot of leeway on which one you want. And then you're probably going to get one or two other mid-level guys, um, you know, in that deal. And it just, it, it didn't happen. And I just want to know why. Why didn't it happen? Why was he pulled back? Make it make sense, because it doesn't make sense to me. I think ownership stepped in and said, you're not trading Alex Verdugo. And, and that's that. There was no reason not to trade Evaldi and Waka last season and get below the luxury tax. There was no reason for that. If you do that, we could have went crazy last winter because we would have the it would have been reset. And the timing would have been good because Chris Sale's contract would have been off the books. Uh, so by the time you had to reset it again, I mean. So it's just the Heimbloom era just makes no sense to me. It just makes no sense and it's just a constant pattern of, of frustration. And we watch all these teams around us get better and make the moves 
I want my team to be making. And it's just... Never and that's the thing. Yeah, that's the thing. The wildcard hunt just got infinitely more difficult because all these, it, it feels like the American League through this trade deadline got so much stronger. So the path is now more difficult. With Verdugo, I think they're just banking on whether it's because he hopes for an extension or because he's pissed off and is trying to play his way out of Boston that he just catches fire in the second half and goes off. And then that way they have the luxury of saying, okay, he had a great second half. We have a great asset here. We can either extend him or trade him. Um, they'll probably still opt to trade him at that point, but we'll see. Um, I, I have to think that's what they're hoping. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if ownership stepped in and said, yeah, we, we can't have you trade Alex Verdugo, especially if you're not going to sell Paxton and you're not going to sell Duvall, you can't trade Alex Verdugo. And just and keep those two guys as well because it goes back to your point of why didn't you sell on Waka if you weren't going to re-sign him why didn't you sell him why didn't you sell Ivaldi if you knew that you weren't going to bring him back those were big mistakes that I think you know who knows what they would have gotten but it would have helped anything back for those guys would have helped rather than just letting them walk for free so it wouldn't surprise me if he was thinking about trading Verdugo and and ownership stepped in and said, no, that that's, we can't be sending that message because if you're going to hang on to the aging veterans, we're going to walk at the end of the year. You can't trade the 27 year old who, you know, has another RB year left in him, and, you know, you know, maybe hasn't even reached his full potential yet. So yeah, that wouldn't shock me at all. And, you know, as far as like the fan base and, and the reactions, disappointment, I think is, is a fair one. I think if you're outraged, you probably had lofty, unrealistic expectations about the trade deadline. But if you're one of these people on Twitter, that's like, let's ride, let's go, you know, like everything's awesome. No problems whatsoever. You're not just sipping the Kool-Aid. You are taking your car keys, punching it into the can and shotgunning the Kool-Aid because I don't know how any Red Sox fan can go into like tonight's game and the schedule going forward saying, yep, I feel supremely confident in this team and, and the direction that we're going and yep, let's go. We're totally going to make the playoffs because here's the thing that August schedule is going to help out high and bloom a lot because they're playing a lot of dog food. You got the nationals, you've got Detroit, you got Kansas city in there, but that September schedule, because they didn't make any moves and you've got to face Baltimore, Tampa, the Yankees, you got to face Houston. So you might be going up against Justin Verlander. They're going to get curb stomped in September. And it's going to be a real rough time for everyone who's just all, you know, hunky dory about this, this trade deadline because September is going to be brutal for this team, particularly if, let's say, Chris Sale comes back and he's not the same, or he comes back, makes two starts, gets hurt again because Lord knows that could easily happen. What if Trevor Story comes back, but he's still hitting just 238? And he's really not providing much more offense than what you already have. What if Whitlock comes back and he still can't make it past five innings and, you know, gets hurt again? It's it, you've got all these guys coming back, but they're not guarantees to stay healthy or even be that much more productive. So I, I just at this point, I'm sort of in a wait and see mode with the team. Let's see how they respond. But I am definitely disappointed and I'm not 
I'm not overly thrilled with uh, the direction I think they're going, at least for the rest of this season. And the offseason, who the hell knows? Uh, one of the interesting things that, that happened today was Eduardo Rodriguez blocked a trade <laughs> to the Los Angeles Dodgers. And the reason he cited for that was his family is mostly on the East Coast and he just wants to be close to them. So that that was what that was the reason he gave. And when that news came out, it was maybe an hour before the actual deadline. And I was actually watching MLB Network at that point. And they've got a panel on there. I forget the um, the host's name. It would. If you said it, I would know it. But Harold Reynolds is on there, another person, and Dan O'Dowd. And O'Dowd is a former GM of the Colorado Rockies. So he he served in that position in the earlier uh, 2000s. And, of course, Harold Reynolds was – he played for the Mariners throughout his career. He wasn't spectacular, but um, – but Harold Reynolds was, well, he has the right. It was in his contract that if they were one of those 10 teams, he has the right to do that. They put it in his contract. And Dan O'Dowd gave the position of the GM. And he cites last year how Eduardo Rodriguez had to leave, go home, deal with some personal issues, which I think the speculation was, and I, I, I'm not positive this was actually it but perhaps he was having marital issues and that needed to be worked out and i'll tell you what if if that happened with one of the guys on our roster i would lose my shit that we're losing a guy over something like that that i mean that if it wasn't bad because the Tigers weren't going to make the playoffs. But if you take a team out of the playoffs because you can't handle your personal affairs, that's a big problem for me as a sports fan. Maybe half the audience will disagree. But Dan O'Dowd, again, former GM, made the point that the Tigers stood behind him and and let him work through it. And now Rodriguez has two months remaining of this season in which he'll probably opt out and he wouldn't help out the Tigers after they backed him up. They had a deal in place with the Dodgers and he wouldn't, he wouldn't go along with it and go play for the Dodgers for two months and heaven forbid, maybe win his second ring, you know, and it's, that's just crazy to me. Jason, you had a theory on that. <laughs> yeah, when when that news uh, broke, my my immediate thought was, well, I don't blame him. I wouldn't want to share a locker room with JD Martinez again either. <laughs> that's that's uh, that was sort of my thought. And then obviously, you know, the further reporting came out that he wanted to be closer to his family, which I I don't begrudge Erod for it. He has no. It's not up to him to help the Tigers. You know, he, he's he's under contract with them. They decided to give him that contract. Um, they did stand by him when he had to take a leave of absence, deal with his, his marital problems and all that. But again, it's, he's, he's the one who gets to make the choice. You're the one who gave him the contract and said he could have a no trade clause. So if you do that, you know, you subject yourself to potentially this down the line. Um, and frankly, like on a personal note, I was happy that he rejected the trade for two reasons. One, I don't want to see the Dodgers getting any help. So I can't stand them. And two, it just, it saves us from that 
that awful Dodgers series that I'm bemoaning that we have to go through with JD and Mookie coming back and Kike. Now it's like, I don't need the list of all the former Red Sox that are coming back to Fenway park. And, you know, we got to relive all the memories and, Oh, remember when JD Martinez hit this hit, you know, back in this year, it's like, I don't need any more of that. I'm done with these guys. I'm ready to move on. I don't care about Red Sox teams of past. So I was happy that we're not having one more former Red Sox uh, join the Dodgers. So I was fine with it. Any thoughts, Cody? You know, it's always interesting whenever you kind of peek behind the curtain on these deals, right? When you get the opt-outs or the opt-ins or the the no-trade clauses, which ones are going to get waived and which ones aren't, right? Because, like... I mean, we even saw with the Scherzer deal, like they should have told him, hey, 2026 is when we're going to be competitive again, dude. If you want to get off this ship, here's a lifeboat. Um, and so, you know, at the end of the day, you got to do what's best for you and your family and what you think is best for your career. Um, and so, you know, we'll obviously never know what his home conversations are like. And, you know, I just hope he, he kind of finds his peace and finds his happiness. If you're trying to, you know, build your market, Yankees just lost again to the race, by the way. If you're trying to build your market, wouldn't you want to be on a team that's going deep into October and have like a signature start in like game six of the NLCS to get your team to the World Series? Like, isn't that the better business decision? Because he might get another $80 million contract, but perhaps after something like that, it becomes $120, $140 million. I just I just think it was a dumb move on his part. And I think if I were in his shoes, I would have played ball. I would have played ball. I really would have. But like Harold Reynolds said, it's his right. He gets to do that. Adam Jones had a similar thing where he exercised, I think it was 10-5 rights, which basically uh, if a player has been in the league for 10 years and with his current team for the last five, uh, any player that meets that criteria can veto any trade. And that's going to be significant in a few years here uh, for Rafi Devers because he could be traded. His contract has, does not contain a no trade clause. So at some point, I think it would be the summer of 2027. At that point, he'll have, or actually it could be 2026. Either way, within the next three or four years, he'll have 10-5 rights and the Red Sox won't be able to trade him uh, without his consent. So we'll see. Yeah, it was definitely an interesting choice by Rodriguez. He definitely left money on the table for sure because whether he works out an extension with Detroit, I know that that's, that came out. that reporting came out a couple hours after the deadline as well that they were going to possibly work on him with an ex- about an extension. Um, whether it's that or he does test free agency, he's yeah, he definitely left money on the table because Pete Abraham, for uh, in a rare uh, moment of clarity, made a very good point where he said, you know, if you're if Rodriguez is a free agent and you're a contending team, don't you have to sort of worry like, is this guy going to jump off the reservation if you know if we're heading into October because of God knows whatever's going on. And we don't know his family situation. It's obviously very complicated, and that's why he uh, blocked the trade. But, yeah, I mean, and if you're a West Coast team, you look at him and go, well, we're not even going to bother because he doesn't want to be on the West Coast. 
So it's primarily going to be East Coast teams that look at them. And if you're a team like, I don't know, Miami or, you know, even New York or something, when you sort of look at it and say, well, if things get a little too hot here, if we're heading into the postseason and he has an argument with his with a family member or whatever happens and he just ditches us, do we really want to invest in that? So I think he definitely cost himself some money, but it was a personal choice. And, you know, it's it, it's family. You do, you know, you do weird things for family, I guess. So all the power to him. We'll see how it works out. But it was definitely uh, an interesting foil to uh, to today's trade deadline for sure. Could you imagine 10 years ago, Clay Buckholtz just leaving the team for that? I mean, I just, I mean, Erod in Boston, you know, wasn't really a lightning rod, but there were whispers he would show up to spring training, perhaps a little bit out of shape and, you know, didn't seem to go with the program. And this is all, it's nothing I can confirm. So just for the record, I'm speculating because I'm just reading into the, uh, you know, the stuff that, you know, we do daily on social media, but it just, you know, there's been a lot of bad vibes with a guy like him. And I did back him in the playoffs when he pointed to his wrist to kind of taunt Correa. I was all for that. Alex Cora wasn't, but, um, but yeah, so I, I don't know, perhaps there, there are some red flags there, uh, with him, but I'd be curious to know what that trade package looked like. Yeah, I'd be curious to see uh, if that ever comes out. I probably won't. But, yeah, what was Detroit poised to get if uh, that trade went through? Because it may have been something pretty sweet. But Because uh, the Dodgers do have a lot of good prospects. So, yeah, you got to wonder what, what the Tigers are feeling right now since that didn't go through. But any other final thoughts about today, other trades around the league or anything like that? I just think, you know, it's nice to see the early returns. Uh, Kenley had a statement where he's like, you know, we like being the underdogs. You know, this is motivating for us. You know, we look around the guys in the locker room. I hope it motivates them too. Paxton said that, you know, he is grateful to still be in here and fight with the group of guys that he has, that he wasn't traded. So, um, you know, read into it as you want. Uh, you know, it could just be, you know, guys in front of a microphone that have had, you know, media training, right? But it is still nice to see them at least immediately say positive responses to this trade deadline. And, you know, it could be a spin of like, you know, the the front office is believing in the teams and the pieces that they've got. And those that are coming back are going to be the quote unquote necessary reinforcements. And the guys that are coming back are like, look, I'll be a janitor. I'll be a bullpen guy. I'll be whatever it takes to, to contribute. And with the amount of bullpen games that we've been throwing, if you can get two, three, four innings from Sale or Whitlock out of the bullpen, but keep them fresh and keep them safer that way, who's to say that's not a recipe for success? But it's all speculation at this point, and we'll see, right? You know, got to take advantage of the August schedule, like Jason said, because September it does get difficult. But at least, you know, it isn't a fire sale. We're not talking about a much different team. We're like, you know, who's this guy coming up in August that we have never heard of? So at least we got that as a positive. Let's go with a hypothetical here for a minute. Um, well, let me, let me ask you this first, actually on that September Sunday night, uh, in 2019, did you guys expect Dave Dombrowski to get fired? It happened in the middle of the night. So you guys probably woke up to the news the next day, but was that stunning to you guys or no? I was a little surprised just cause I thought they'd wait till the off season. Cause I thought that was the easier thing to do. 
It was surprising. I mean, you know, a year removed from winning a World Series, but he did hand out some contracts that were puzzling even in the moment within the, you know, basking in the golden light of winning a World Series. There were some some extensions that I was uh, quizzical of, uh, but I was as well shocked that it happened in the middle of the season, that it didn't even go poorly enough uh, to warrant that. You guys weren't here back then. I think Jason, you came in that off season, but um, you know, I spoke of the fact he probably should be fired. You know, because the team wasn't looking too sustainable. You know, with some big contracts, I obviously hated the sale one. I was in the minority at the time. I think most of the fan base has kind of come along with it at this point, and I hated the Evaldi contract, but. Um, I thought, you know, there's a possibility here, you know, before this team gets any more screwed. By that point, Detroit was in their fourth year of a rebuild, you know, from the damage that that he had done. And I think he did far more damage to them than he did to Boston, quite frankly. Um, We did go to the ALCS. It was flukish, but we got there, you know, a couple years later anyway. I think we could have got there last year had the right moves been made, had we targeted better pitching, had we signed a guy like uh, Kevin Gosman and all that. But but the interesting nugget that came from the Dombrowski firing was, and I, I don't know if he revealed it in an interview, but he, he apparently approached... John Henry, the night of the World Series win during the celebration and, you know, the champagne in the locker room, all that about an extension. And and John Henry wasn't really having it. And so it seemed like his mind was kind of made up at that point, you know, that maybe maybe Dave isn't really the long term guy. So I'm just wondering with Bloom if you know, did ownership, is there a chance that perhaps they might've made their mind up earlier in the season and they didn't want him screwing with the roster, um, you know, this August, if, if that's, if that inkling is correct, I mean, he could be fired in the coming days. I don't think it is. Cause I've already shared with you, um, you know, I, I don't think he necessarily even needs to make the playoffs at this point. That's the the current vibe that I'm getting. But I just wanted it on record because if it happens, I wanted to say, well, I kind of, you know, put the roadmap out there. If if it were to happen, then then this was probably it. But um, but I'm so I just just wanted to put that on the record. <laughs> Yeah, that's a fair point. And yeah, I, I I don't think that it's likely. I think he's doing kind of what ownership wants. They're middle of the pack in payroll. They're under a luxury tax. They're in the wild card hunt and they've got a top rated farm system now. So it's all kind of mixing, you know, the way that they want it to. Um, maybe next year, if they're still a 500 team and they're floundering and he doesn't do anything great in the offseason it becomes a much more real conversation. But I think for right now, he's doing exactly what ownership wants. You know, keep us in it. Don't overspend. Build up the farm system. He's done all of that. So, you know, the trade deadline was a little bit of a dud, but I think they probably knew that was coming just like we did. So 
Uh, we'll see that 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 topic, I think, will become much more prevalent next year if they struggle out of the gate or if they're, again, just kind of a 500 middling team. Then, yeah, that, that conversation becomes very real. A couple things I also want to point out here. Um, I kind of mentioned it earlier. His contract does is expected to expire after the 2024 season. And I'm just wondering, I mean, what are the chances he goes into that season without a contract extension? Because I think most GMs probably would get that extension going into their final year. You know, I think owners can appreciate the fact that executives and managers even don't like being, you know, in a lame duck situation. They want that resolved. So that that's something to watch for. If he gets an extension, I would be horrified if that happens. Um, but it could, and, uh, I forgot what my second take was. It, it escaped me. Couldn't have been that important. Yeah. Yeah. I, I wouldn't be surprised if we get extension news, um, in the off season. I don't think it'll happen now. It's hard to do that after, you know, this deadline and, and where the team is, but this off season. Yeah. I, I, I have a feeling it's coming, but we'll see. Uh, we'll see how all that goes. So with that, we're going to wrap up this trade deadline reaction show. Um, again, not not much to react to on the Boston side of things, but uh, the landscape of the American League certainly did change. So it's going to be very interesting to see how the team competes now going through that that track, going through that landscape now. The path to the playoffs has definitely changed. It's definitely gotten more difficult. So Hopefully they're up for the challenge because, uh, like we said, August they got some some cupcakes in there, but September it gets real. So we'll see how they do. Um, until then, everyone have a good one and take care. <laughs>